0: First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, we're glad you're here. I would like to extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us this morning. If you have been visiting with us for a long time and you feel that you would like to make this church your spiritual home, that involves taking a class, which is going to be in January. That's it's going to be next Saturday. And, um, or meeting with me, if you can't make the class and then signing the book, everyone in this room would be delighted if you were to become a member of this congregation. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you please say with me the words by which we light our chalice? In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. The bell is full of wind, though it does not ring. The bird is full of flight, though it is still. The sky is full of clouds, though it is alone. The word is full of voice, though no one speaks. Everything is full of fleeing, though there are no roads. Everything is fleeing toward its presence. Many people wonder, how do you have a church where some of the people are theists and some are atheists and some are agnostics? We're all Unitarian Universalists, but there's such a wide variety. What holds you together? You can say, well, we have a mission that we say every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. May it be so. Let us end our time of meditation With metta meditation from the Buddhist tradition. This is a meditation, a wish, a prayer, an intention. I'll say the first line and you say it after me, should you choose to. In the spiritual practice of metta meditation, loving kindness meditation, you would say this that we're about to say, you would say it for six months just for yourself in order to build a strong foundation of loving kindness. Then you say it for somebody you love and for yourself. After a few more months, you add somebody that you feel neutral about. Just pick somebody out in the grocery store checkout line or at the library and pray this for them. Finally, as you're strong in the spirit and centered and gorgeous inside, You pray this for someone against whom you have a resentment. In our services, what we do is we pray it one time for ourselves, one time for someone we love, and then we skip straight to the hard part just to see what it feels like, to say it for someone against whom we have a resentment. So the first time through for ourselves. May I be free from danger. May I be mentally happy. May I be physically happy. May I have ease of well-being. And now think about somebody you love. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be be physically happy. May you you have ease of of well-being. Now the hard part. Someone against whom you have a resentment. If you can't call anyone to mind, just think about inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C., something will occur to you. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. May it be so. Today, in many Unitarian Universalist congregations across the country, there will be a burning bowl service. Other denominations do this as well. It is a way to clear the decks for the new year. It's a way to let go of old grudges or resentments, things you're embarrassed about, things you've been beating yourself up for, things that you wish you could stop doing Um, Those are the things you would write on this piece of paper that the ushers gave you as you came through the door. So you write down what you want to let go of on this little strip of paper, and then we will light this fire in the cauldron. My sermon is um, the... It would be top ten if there were ten of them, but I didn't count, so I don't know how many there are. But these are some suggestions of things you may want to think about letting go this year. So if you have something that's burning in your mind right now, you're welcome to write it down. You can put more than one thing. There are no rules here. One lady at the first service asked for five strips of paper. (laughs) Here are some suggestions about things to let go of in the burning bowl. One. And this is overarching. And by the end of this, you will be able to tell that I worked as a therapist for 20 years. (laughs) One thing you might want to let go of, trying to control things that can't be controlled. Most of us don't try to control things like the weather, because we know, unless you do, um... Because we know that the weather can't be controlled. But the main thing that we try to control that can't be controlled, other people. Apparently, um, it is very difficult to make other people behave correctly. <laughs> or as you might say it more casually, you cannot make another person do right. Right. It is hard enough to make yourself behave correctly. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Thank you. <sighs> Y'all were looking at me like I was the only one. <laughs> and much harder than to make somebody else behave correctly. So, what um, if you have children, then you have a certain limited influence. Those of you who have raised children or are in the middle of it, you have a certain limited influence over them but you cannot control them and it's best if you don't try and um those of you who have been partnered or married know that it's very difficult to make your partner do right um of course most of our partners are perfect so it's no issue It's hard to make your sister, who has been dating inappropriate men for years, realize that she's got a pattern going on. And it's really not welcome information when you try to give it to her. It's really hard to make your parents, who've been bailing out your no-good cousin, who keeps investing unwisely, It's very difficult for you to tell them that they're throwing their money away by giving this man one more chance. Are you with me? Your coworker who works in the same place you do, only you do all of your work and some of hers too, you're not going to be able to make her do right. So the only person you're left with in the control area is yourself. Does everybody have paper now? Wonderful. Thank you very much, ushers. Um, The I Ching, which is a book of Chinese wisdom, says that between two people, the window of influence is sometimes open. So sometimes you're able to slip something through and it really gets through, and the window of influence is open, and then it closes again, where it stays, usually. So if you can say your piece while the window is open, that is great. And then if you can stop saying your piece, that's the ticket. Because if you say the same thing over and over to somebody, like, if you would just put your keys in the same place all the time, you wouldn't have to look for them. Then... Your voice becomes the voice of that thought in their head. And they can no longer really have that thought themselves without feeling poked by you. So if you just say it one time, you're probably okay. And then they'll think one day, you know, I'm just too lazy to look for my keys all the time. I think I'll put them in the same place every time when I come in the house. Am I making sense? Thank you. Another thing that you might want to let go of is worrying about what other people think of you. The 12-step program has a handy phrase for this. What you think of me is none of my business. Can we all say that together? What you think of me is none of my business. How does that feel? Um, I used to ride around with um, kids, of course, because I have two sons. And there is a moment in their lives, as many of you know, when everything you do is excruciatingly embarrassing to them. And so we'd be driving in the car, and I would be singing to the radio, and they'd be like, Mom, don't sing. Those other drivers think you're crazy. I'm like, what drivers, the ones who are coming past me at 60 miles an hour? Because my 60 and their 60 makes 120, and I don't think they're watching me. But logic does not apply to an illogical fear. So um, I had to try to teach them what they think of us is none of our business. Now, what some people think of you is your business, your boss, for example. You want your boss to think well of you. You want your in-laws and your family to think well of you. But sometimes you cannot control, like your boss, okay? Um, Perhaps there was a time when your boss waved cheerily goodbye to you in the parking lot after work, and you turned and got in your car without waving. Now, your boss thinks that you were rude. You know that you needed new glasses and did not see the wave. But what are you going to do? What are you going to say to make that all right? If you keep hammering at it, you're going to look loony. So you just have to return to correct behavior the best way you can and just be who you are and say... What he thinks of me is none of my business, none of my business. All right. Uh, a number, another thing you might want to think about letting go, taking over other people's problems. Um, many of us are helpful people, and many of us are people who like to fix things. And so, you know, when you hear a preacher talk about something more than once, you know they're talking to themselves. So. Um <laughs> So the ones that talk about the evils of sex, you got to watch them. <laughs> Let me return to taking over other people's problems. <laughs> Some of us are so helpful that all, all somebody has to do to is come, come up to us and say, Oh my goodness, this is broken down and it doesn't, I don't know how to, what do you think about, I can't <laughs> And then you put down what you're doing and you stand up and you go over to where their problem is and you spend the next hour and a half of your life fixing their problem. Let me tell you something. Sometimes that's helpful. Many times it's not because life brings people problems in order to help people learn to solve the problems. And if you jump in, da da like a superhero and solve their problems, they never get to learn. So it is a very tricky thing to know when to take on somebody else's problem. Um, Here's a good phrase, and I want to ask you to repeat this after me. Here's a good phrase you might want to use when somebody comes to you "Ah!" about a problem. That sure is a problem. (laughs) What are you going to do? Let's hear it. That sure is a problem. What are you going to do? And you can say that in the kindest way. And you can listen while they tell you what they're going to do. And then if they ask you what you would do, you can tell them. And then if they ask you to come help them, then you can either say yes or no. But jumping up to help when you weren't asked to help is a problem. And it wears you down. Some people have heard this phrase before, why are you mad at me? I'm just trying to help. If you've ever heard that phrase before, it could be that you might want to let go of helping when you weren't asked to help. Sometimes people will ask you to help, but sometimes people just want to talk the problem over. And this is a lot of times between partners and spouses. You come home, you go, I hate my job. My boss is a jerk. I can't stand those people I work with. And the partner goes, so quit. Then the first person gets mad. Why? Because they didn't want to quit. They just want to talk about it. They want somebody to say, what are you going to do? Tell me more. It's very difficult not to just come up with a solution right away. Helping when you're not asked to help is something that you might want to think about letting go of. Here's a hard one. You might want to think about letting go of having the same old conversation over and over and over. There are some people that you have a conversation with, and I'll just use a kind of benign one. Um, Many people in our families are concerned When we become Unitarian Universalists. (laughs) And they want to talk to us about it. And having one or two of those conversations is great. But the 15th time that somebody says, But the Bible says, da 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 da, and you go, I understand that it does. And they say, But you might go to hell. And you go, We don't believe in hell. These are not hellfire. Fire, (laughs) by the way. This is for the burning bowl. And just in case somebody has ruined fire for you. It takes two people to have a stupid conversation. (laughs) Just keep that in mind another thing you may want to think about letting go. Arguing with somebody in your head when they're not there. (laughs) I have a friend who gave that up for Lent and she's like, what do other people think about? (laughs) There was a commercial on television, I think a long time ago where this uh, beautiful woman sees a handsome man coming down the street and she's watching him walk and she's thinking, ooh, he's cute. And um, he comes closer and she thinks, oh, maybe we could get together. That would be awesome. And um, we'd have so much fun dating and be cool. I'd love to introduce him to my friends. And then we might move in together. They're walking closer and closer. And and then he'd probably cheat on me with one of my friends. Then he'd be a jerk about what we're going to how we're gonna divide up the apartment, and it's just gonna be heartbreak, nothing but heartbreak. And by the time that he passes her, she's snarling, "I want my CDs back." <laughs> so arguing with somebody in your head—it's like um, I had a client who used to call it skull cinema. She said, "I've been up all night watching skull cinema." It's like the person is going to be late getting home from work. And you're driving in your car, you're getting ready for the fight. Because the person who's at home is going to go, I cooked this beautiful dinner, and you're late, and it's sitting there on the table, and it's getting cold, and I'm going to say, well, I was at work. I couldn't help it. I got a phone call at the last minute, and then it turned into this. My boss gave me three extra things to do, and I just can't help it. And, well, your work is more important than your home life. And, no, it's not. I do this for us. No, you don't do it for us. You do it for yourself, and that's it. And, um, anyway, so you're all, like, girded up for the fight when you get home, and the other person's not even there yet. It's just lovely to argue with people who are actually there. The final thing that I would like to talk about letting go of as a possibility for you is imagining that God has given you the job of running the world. God or whoever. That you are the manager for the whole universe, and that if something goes wrong, it's on you to fix it, and it's probably your fault anyway. Cancer, probably your fault. Bad traffic, you could fix it. Go to McDonald's, the people don't know what they're doing, you just want to jump back there and tell everybody how to do it. Being manager of the universe is a very difficult job and it really hasn't ever been given to anybody. There was a lovely pope one time, Pope John XXIII, lovely stories about him anyway, from my dad. Pope John XXIII was one of my dad's favorite people, John F. Kennedy and Pope John. So the story goes that Pope John wasn't getting any sleep. His valet was noticing the sheets were tangled and the bed was a mess, and he, was, he just wasn't feeling good as valet could tell, and after about a week of this, the sheets were finally smooth and the bed looked like someone had had a good night's sleep in there. And the valet said, Holiness, forgive me for saying something, but it looks like you had a good night's sleep. I'm so glad. And Pope John says, you know, I've been so worried about the whole world and I've done everything that I can think of doing, I, but I've got these hungry children in my mind. And I've got violence in my mind and the people at war and I just can't think what else to do. And then I realized, I'm only the Pope. (laughs) I have no idea whether that story is true or not. But it became a saying around my house where you'd go, oh, I wish I could, but I'm only the Pope. (laughs) So... We might want to let go of trying to control things that can't be controlled, making other people do right, what other people think of you, taking over other people's problems, helping when you weren't asked to help, having the same old conversations over and over, arguing with someone in your head. All of these are sermons on their own, and you may hear them eventually. Imagining that you are the manager of the world. Let me finish by reading a poem called Burning the Old Year. And after I read this poem, we'll light the fire and Brooks will come up and be the fire tender. Burning the Old Year by a Naomi Nye. Letters swallow themselves in seconds. Notes, friends tied to the doorknob. Transparent scarlet paper sizzle like moth wings. Marry the air. So much of any year is flammable. Lists of vegetables, partial poems, orange swirling flame of days. So little is a stone. Where there was something and suddenly isn't, an absence shouts, celebrates, leaves a space. I begin again with the smallest numbers. Quick dance, shuffle of losses and leaves. Only the things I didn't do crackle. After the blazing dies, please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. May there be a celebration, a space, an absence. In your life, of the thing that you have let go, may you be lightened, may you be filled with other things, may you be brave, may you find other souls to nourish until we meet again, and may you be willing for your life to be transformed. May it be so. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.